Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name's Adam. My name's Jeremy. And we're here today to discuss the August 1985 issue number 196, Uncanny X-Men, cover price, 65 cents, on sale, May 7th, 1985, 32 pages, titled, What Was That? How come you went from a southern drawl to a uh, robot drawl? Well, I wasn't doing a southern drawl, and then you started doing a southern drawl, and then I started doing a southern drawl, so I decided I didn't want to do a southern drawl because I didn't start out doing a southern drawl, so then I ended up doing what you called a robot. Oh, okay. Never mind all that. I am drinking a drink that I created five minutes before the show. I'm also creating a drink right now on the show you're creating a drink on the show or drinking a creation i'm drinking pepsi which i created oh wow you must be super rich why are you wasting your time with this podcast well because somebody else owns the rights to pepsi i i just created i figured out the formula oh wow we should make pepsi too electric boogaloo no i uh, i made a I, I think somebody's already submitted this name, uh, a Bamf, but uh, uh, in celebration of Nightcrawler, and um, just because I got inspired because I was digging toward the back of my liquor cabinet, and I happened to find some blue UV vodka, or what actually it's not blue UV, it's uh, it's grape UV vodka, even worse. UV? What does UV I mean other than ultraviolet? I, I don't know. Like, oh, okay. It's, I don't know. <laughs> if you go to a bar, it'll be towards the top shelf but it's not like top shelf right so it's more expensive but not crazy expensive i don't yeah i don't even know about that like it's not um like fleischmann's it's it's uv and then you know they'll throw blue which is probably like raspberry or whatever and then i happen to have for some reason i don't know why a uh, grape uh flavored uv vodka and so i was like huh i wonder what i could do with this because there's a lot of it, and I don't, I don't, I don't think I bought it, but maybe I did. So I was like, well, maybe I could use some of the grenadine next to it, <clears throat> and I could also mix it with a little bit of squirt, and uh, I would have a, kind of a sweet and sour fruit drink, uh, and that's kind of what I have. Sounds good. What does it look like? Well, <clears throat> it's uh, it's pink with purplish hues. It's not like a deep purple, so it could be an optic blast. Um, but I think that name's already been taken as well. Um, now I'm trying to think of a deep purple song. <laughs> Smoke on the water. Oh, okay. There you go. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I guess it's more pink than anything. But since it started out with the purple, and I was hoping that the grenadine would just make it like a richer purple. Um, I think the the failing part was the ice and the squirt just. L- lightened it all up and now it's pink i'm not gonna say it's the best drink i've ever had but it's it's not bad it'll do i like the idea of using squirt in a drink mm-hmm. well i got the idea because uh i've been drinking um well i've been working on mixed drinks lately because uh, i'm getting kind of tired of beer and so i was at my local costco and they had pre-mixed uh old brandy old-fashioned uh in a jar and you can just drink that over the rock just pour it in a glass and drink it 
uh, but it's kind of kind of si- sticky sweet, uh, and they say you can mix it with sweet or sour, and so your sweet would be either a Sprite or a 7-Up or something like that, uh, and your sour would be like 50-50 or Squirt. And I was like, I'm going to buy some Squirt. Uh, and put it with this old-fashioned stuff, which I did, uh, which made the drink way better. And I was like, I bet you Squirt works on other things that are kind of fruity-ish and brandy-ish or vodka-ish. There is that. It's like a – I buy it at a Mexican store, but I don't think it's Mexican. But there's it's a variant of Squirt that has a far less sugar oh. than Squirt and – tastes well it doesn't taste a lot better but it tastes better i would be curious to find out what that's called because i do enjoy squirt uh and i like the idea of less sugar yeah it's it's i'll I'll see if i can dig it up so there you go listeners uh if i start slurring my words or become belligerent about 40 minutes from now it's because there's quite a bit of grape uv vodka in this drink (laughs) hey christmas is around the corner Yes, it is. We're recording this. This probably will be released after Christmas, possibly after the new year, but uh, we're recording it a few days away from Christmas. So view behind the curtain. <laughs> there you go. Point in case, time. In case anybody cares. I don't think anybody cares. Uh, <clears throat> on the cover of this particular comic book, which we started talking about, you've got a woman in a black studded suit. Uh holding up the passed out body of Kitty, who is on top of what it looks like Rogue and maybe even Storm. Yeah, this cover is misleading for a a few reasons. For a lot of reasons. And then you have a silhouette of Wolverine as well as Wolverine's claws in the foreground. Now, well, Storm is in the issue. Yes, she she will not interact with any of these characters. Um, and then the this costume of this woman clad in black has never appeared this way, and as far as I know, never will. Yeah, now that you meant, well, I don't know if that's necessarily true. I think a variant of this costume will show up later, like a lot later. Well, we've already seen a variant of the costume without the mask. It's just the mask that I've never seen. Oh, okay. And basically the ma- the mask prevents you from knowing who this character is, which I feel is deceptive. Yeah, it looks like Storm Shadow. Yes, I was thinking Snake <laughs> Eyes, but that also works. I only say Storm Shadow because you can see this person's eyes. That's true. I could see why you'd go Snake Eyes because the costume's all black. But this costume, I think, will come around again in an all-red form with no face covering. So, meh, what do you know? This uh, this also continues the Secret Wars saga. Oh, yeah, we talked about Secret Wars in the prior episode mm-hmm. and we left off with um some of the x-men and some of the new mutants encountering beyonder and um magic teleporting some of the x-men and some of the new mutants to limbo and um what's her name teleporting some of the x-men to the dyson sphere lila cheney yeah lila yeah. cheney <laughs> Lele <laughs> There you go. So, um, so we we'll have to touch upon later. Uh, Kitty is in this issue, so oh, so so spoilers. This we're going out of order. I suppose you're right. That's okay. That's okay. Um, so we open up this one. It's written by Chris Claremont, John Romita Jr., and Dan Green are the artists. Glenn Oliver is the colorist. Tom Wozniakowski is the letterer, and Anne Nascenti is the editor. Kim Shooter is the editor in chief. Do we get a? Um, a splash cover, a splash page of the professor with a look on his face of confusion. He is thinking to himself, what was that? Providing the title. And uh, the last time we saw the professor, he was in Muir Island having 
uh, flashbacks or, f- or or flash sidewayses or having visions of the beyonder. Um, so he seems like he's a little bit better. Yeah. Wasn't he? Uh, well, according to the X-Men Epic Collection on the cover, it says, In Secret Wars 2, Professor X sensed the Beyonder's arrival on Earth. He recruited his old friend, the reforming villain Magneto, with whom the X-Men grudgingly allied to investigate the Beyonder. Oh, yeah, you're right. So the professor wasn't, the professor at this point hasn't met the Beyonder. Right. Or seen the Beyonder, other than, I guess, Secret Wars 1. All right. So... Uh, I would expl- I would say that the professor, uh, rather than being confused, is very shocked and surprised at the thoughts that he's overhearing. He hears somebody thinking, "We've got," or maybe saying, "We don't know," but it, he's telep- telepathically overhearing, "We've got no choice." He knows who we are. We he knows what we did. We've got to kill him. Now I don't know about you, but I immediately connected this to prior events. But the professor does not. Yes. I also connected it to prior events, but the professor's like, who's going to be killed? And who is saying it? Why are my powers not as good as they used to be? I must get the X-Men to follow up on this mystery. He he does. Yeah, he doesn't know. But I think he's he's teaching at the same place in which he got mugged like five issues ago. Yeah, um, <laughs> he is. He's doing he's doing he's back on the like. Well, I guess he's a professor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he is, he, as, as he looks upon the students trying to figure out who it was, whose thoughts or words that he captured, he thinks to himself about that very same mugging that has uh, caused his powers to uh, be diminished right. a, a great deal. So he's not able to tell who it is, um, but he also doesn't connect the dots between the, the word bubble, the, the thoughts and the events that happened before. Right. Not, I'm not sure why that doesn't even cross his mind. Maybe these people are the same people who mugged me. Oh, my God. That would make sense. <laughs> it would. Meanwhile, in Africa, we get Storm's cameo in this issue. Uh, she is in Africa. She's observing the animals. Uh, she's kind of wondering uh, what she's looking for, uh, looking f- not for the answer to who and what she is or what or where she belongs. I don't know. She's trying to find herself. and that's She still what... hasn't found what she's looking for. <laughs> that's right. Um, I believe uh, Chris Claremont was heavy into U2 when he wrote this issue. Actually, yeah. this is 86. So the Joshua Tree is out? Or I... is it not? It's very possible that a single has been dropped, but I don't think the album came out until 87. I think we're about a year off. But it's possible that, that the single dropped and... Well, I, I seriously doubt it inspired this. You never know. It's like, oh, maybe Storm hasn't found what she's looking for. Uh, she's got pride, though. Eh, and uh, <laughs> Anyways, uh, a lion jumps out of the, uh, uh, well, it doesn't jump out, but kind of walks up to Storm, and he has a silver mane. And he, she's thinking to himself, like, oh, what does this mean? He's friendly, and his hair matches my own. Is this an omen? And just then, somebody shoots it. She says he seems, or she thinks he seems friendly, but... It's a, it's a lion. Come on, Storm. Well, but she's kind of taken aback. I mean, she's never seen a lion with a silver mane of hair, and she's got silver hair, so... Yes, a lion that hasn't pumped on you yet seems friendly. <laughs> well, you know. It's the same with all bears, right? <laughs> yes. Uh, but it doesn't matter because somebody shoots it, uh, and she's very upset. She's like, oh, how could somebody shoot so noble a beast? No! And then somebody shoots her. And she's dead. Blam! You see her fall down. She's laying in the grass. We cut over to Andrea and Andreas Strucker, who 
Uh, I don't think it's actually said that they're Struckers yet, but spoilers, they're Struckers. But we know that they're Struckers, don't we? Yeah, we do. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know that it's been revealed in these past couple of issues of X-Men. Um, I don't know like, that it even matters. I don't know that this storyline ever gets connected back to Baron Strucker. Okay. I don't know. I, honestly, I don't know. Like, these two characters kind of like kind of dip in and out of the X-Men, but I don't really remember where this storyline goes. Well, we'll have to keep our um, finger on the pulse. Yep. Keep tabs on it. Uh, they were out for just a little bit of poaching. They had paid some uh, guides to show them where the best poaching was, uh, but they bagged a two-for-one because, as you recall, last time uh, Storm met up with these people, she she kind of embarrassed and Andreas. That's true. Uh, Andreas wishes that it was him that had made the shot, but Andreas says, you know, the insult was avenged. That's all that matters. Mm-hmm. Let's get the lion. Let's get out of here. Apparently, they also bribed the authorities. Yes. Let's leave the witch to be picked apart. Uh, and the two guides are like, whoa, poaching is one thing, but murder. And they're like, shut up. You get your money. And that's it. So then we flash back to New York and the X-Men plus Magneto, are at a deli eating lunch. So if you're not reading Secret Wars 2, this is very confusing. Uh, yeah. Even if you do read Secret Wars number 2, it's still kind of confusing. Yeah. Yeah. And basically, Chris Claremont is taking some liberties and jumping forward in time. It, I mean, you read it, it makes sense once you get to the end of it. I'm nitpicking. It's actually, it's actually kind of cool that we didn't have to see all that crap. Yeah. So so this issue continuity wise falls I think after Secret Wars 2 number 1 and number 2. And I'll explain why in a moment. Um now 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 uh release schedule wise I think this is coming out the same month as Secret Wars 2 number 1. No, this is actually before Secret Wars 2 number 2 because in number 2 the Beyonder thinks about what happens in this very next scene. Well, okay. Uh, they're happening simultaneously then. Mm, no. No. Oh, I guess you're right. Well, then it is very confusing. Well, actually, it's not very confusing because all of the events, like, if you read, uh, well, okay, spoilers. The Beyonder shows up, uh, in the skin of Captain America. Right. Uh, which but, is, but you wouldn't is, know that unless you'd read, I think, Captain America that occurred after Secret Wars 2, number one, in which I think the Beyonder's like, I must take on a noble body. Nobody's nobler than this guy. Right. So, something, something to that degree. So if you read all of Secret Wars 2, it kind of works. But <laughs> when you see the Beyonder, you're like, who's this blonde haired guy? Well, I mean, yes and no. Well, it's pretty obvious. Um, it's a little confusing, but. But you don't necessarily know whose skin he's in. You're like, why is this Beyonder guy blonde? I read Secret Wars number two and he was Molecule Man. No, in Secret in, Se- in Secret Wars number two, number two, he is Captain America. No, no, no. But I was saying if you were to have read Secret Wars two, number one, and then you read this, you wouldn't know what's quite going on until you read Secret Wars two, number two. That's true. He's, <laughs> he's also Molecule Man in New Mutants number three. 31, I think. Yes, he is. But you... Which uh, happens before Captain America. <laughs> right, right. So continuity-wise, it all it all, it all, all actually kind of works pretty well. And it's actually kind of an amazing uh, uh, showmanship of the editorial staff to keep all of that stuff straight. But if you're the casual X-Men reader, yeah, you're probably like, I don't quite know what's going on here. But it doesn't matter. The, the, it's the new order. Get used to it. Yeah. That's... that's... The, the real crux of the biscuit here is that the professor would like the x-men 
to uh, follow up on some leads and try to figure out who the murderer is and who the um, murderee is or who the victim is. Uh, and Magneto is here and the X-Men are, are nervously paying attention to the professor, but also kind of like, why is Magneto here? <laughs> Well, he, they they know he was here because he was he was in Secret Wars too. Well, I understand that, but they don't know why the professor is relying on him. I guess. Well, they're also not. I mean, yes, they don't trust him. They don't trust him exactly. They're like he's, he used to be our villain. And so, again, from a continuity perspective, if you didn't, if you're not reading Secret Wars number two, uh, Jesus Christ, Secret Wars two, period, <laughs> um, you you don't really maybe know why Magneto is sitting here, other right. than the fact that I think they give you a little bit of backstory, uh, or that they've already had an adventure together. Um, right. Also, uh, Elides Forrester is here. That's true. She is um, She's in one panel, essentially. I mean, she's she's only talks in one panel. But it's good from a continuity perspective. Chris yeah. Claremont's not yeah. ready to get rid of her yet. Um, <laughs> Scott, so Scott's going yeah, to be so mad when he sees Magneto and Elides together. Quite possibly. <laughs> or not. Or not. <laughs> Um, the X-Men are a couple of things about this table. Well, Magneto is telling this, this tale, of course, nobody else connects the dots with his mugging. Um, (laughs) they're also looking at, uh, some postcards from, or letters from Aurora. Uh, so nice segue from the Aurora scene to this. Mm Mm-hmm. And there is a newspaper on the table that says Nimrod takes on muties. Yep. Nimrod uh, has become kind of the Big Apple superstar, even though he's only really appeared once in the public eye, uh, did a whole bunch of damage and and really let the X-Men and the Juggernaut go. So I don't know why everybody's celebrating him. But uh, because Chris Claremont is hyping up the anti-mutant sentiment in this issue. Yeah, I, I get it. So even the waiter comes up and he's like, hey, anybody deserves a front page headline. It's him. Man's been doing an A number one first rate job. Know what I mean? Big Apple's own hero. Not like that Spider-Man guy. Somebody who looks out for the little guy. Not like that Spider-Man guy. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of uh, spending all of his time saving the world or the universe or whatever, like Spider-Man does. Yeah, but you know. Yeah, Spider-Man, the papers say Spider-Man's bad. Exactly. This is a guy. And this guy believes everything he reads in the paper. Totally. He's like, oh, it's in the paper. It's true. It's on, it was on the TV. And uh, Kitty asked the professor why she just can't um, delve into people's minds and figure it out. And he lies and says, um, I'm taking a drug to neutralize my power. I'm in the middle of an experiment. He calls her Shadow Cat. Yeah. So I guess when did, did she when did she officially become Shadowcat? Besides the Kitty Pride and Wolverine oh, miniseries, I, when did when did it happen in the pages of X Men? Is this it, or is it did it happen before? That's a, I have no idea. Okay. Well, this is the first time I'm noticing it. So in the pages of the X Men, it's very possible that this is the first utterance of Shadowcat. Um, I have to imagine she introduced herself as Shadowcat though to Power Pack issue or two ago, maybe. Well, yeah, I'm just talking about X Men. Okay. Yeah, sure. Because I, I think she was. She might have also been Shadowcat in X Men V Alpha Flight. Yeah, she might have been. I don't remember that series. Bored me. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, Rachel notes that the professor is obviously lying. Um, and that's when she notices across the room a blonde man who we already we already said is the Beyonder. And he is outside of the cafe that they are in. And then suddenly he's inside of the cafe they're in. And she's very confused. I never took my eyes off him. He never moved. How did he get inside? Yeah. Uh, and she doesn't recognize him because he doesn't look like Molecule Man. 
Yeah, there's also, you know, they did their battle in Los Angeles, and now they're in Manhattan. So those are two reasons she's not connecting the dots as to who this person is. Well, she also saw him again in New Mutants. Mm. And that occurred before this? This That occurred occurred before before this, but he still looked like Molecule Man. Correct. So he's a... He is in his phase where he's trying to discover what it's like to be human. Uh, And so he's doing all sorts of goofy things. He orders a sandwich, but he doesn't have any money. He doesn't know what he's supposed to do with it. And we get a cute little uh, conversation between Rachel who gets up and approaches him and says, that's food. Eat it and you won't feel hungry. Your presence, I felt it in Los Angeles. We have met. Who are you? Yeah. Wouldn't she just be like, the only I was just in Los Angeles for a really weird event, and it was the Beyonder. You you must be the Beyonder. Well, you know, it's not a hundred percent as tight <laughs> as it could be, but it, it's you know, yeah, still pretty impressive. Yeah. Uh, Kitty comes up to Rachel and she's like, "Hey, who are you talking to? There's nobody there." And Rachel's like, "But he was. I just saw what." And even the and de- he's gone. Even and- the deli clerk is like, "Hey, what that foreign creep guy who doesn't know about eating." He didn't pay me. And he took the food. Yeah. <laughs> Too bad Nimrod ain't here. He teach that bum a lesson. Yes. Uh, and Rachel is like, something's wrong, but don't tell the others. They probably think I'm crazy already, which is kind of another weird thing. Like, we just met the Beyonder. Something weird just happened, but don't tell anybody. People think I'm crazy. I feel like Chris Claremont probably hasn't read The Secret Wars 2. <laughs> possible he just got the cliff notes handed to him from Jim. yeah he's like oh I, I can work with this i got this i'm working on a story but i'll i'll write your thing in here jesus jim pushy um kitty, kitty thinks kitty to- does notice uh think to herself that uh she she must rachel must be talking about the beyonder because uh because that's the only that's the only presence we we spotted in in la and she thinks to herself, I'd give anything for that power to wipe him off the face of creation. It's no less than he deserves, which is kind of a, a spinoff of how she feels about him in New Mutants. Yeah, which I don't quite understand. I mean, uh, the Secret Wars 2 story is, you know, he visits Earth and everyone's panicked. I mean, I guess I understand. You got this all-powerful being that at the blink of an eye could erase existence. Well, in Secret Wars, in, in New Mutants... um, Kitty says, I'm just going to go ahead and say, because we're, we're, we're in the future now. Uh, Kitty basically says, the Beyonders stole Colossus from me. Oh, that's right. Yep. And also really messed up my friend Magic. So I would kill him if I can. Right. If, if I could. Good point. So she's got her motivations. Yeah. Kitty wonders where Nightcrawler is, as he is the team's leader. And that's when we segue to where Nightcrawler is. And he has teleported his way over to the church. Last issue, we heard that he was on a mission, but we never found out where that what that mission was. Yeah, it's maybe his mission was to get to the church. But then he showed up in Secret Wars, too. So, Well, you know, Beyonder. <laughs> so he stops off at the church because he uh, he's a religious man, which I don't know that we fully understand until, well, right now. Uh, but he, now that he's met the Beyonder, um, was he in Secret Wars 1? Yes, Nightcrawler was. Yeah, okay. So, and he talks about, like, he has the power, we did this thing, it was a war, it was a secret, it happened in a blink of an eye, he's got all this power. And if he's got all this power, how can there be a god, or is he god? And my faith is shaken. It's always been kind of cool that Nightcrawler is a servant of the Lord. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's neat. So the 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 priest here, the father, he's just kind of listening to this whole thing. He's like, oh, my 
God, I've never heard anything like this. Uh, And Nightcrawler eventually buries his head in his arms and says, I am lost. In the upper right-hand corner of this picture of Nightcrawler with the big schnoz, this is... This is the John Romita Jr. that I don't like. Oh. Because eventually everybody's going to start looking like that. Yeah. And right now it's okay because it's just Nightcrawler. But at some point this becomes his style. And then he gets away from it again. Hmm. Well, you know, he's experimenting with different techniques. It's okay right now. Meanwhile. Okay. I'll at, survive. At Columbia uh, U- University, we got, uh, what is it, Kitty and Rachel? No, uh, no. These are no. No, we just got some... some, some um, we got random students. Well, we got random people. We got the people that we know are causing bad stuff. Yeah. Where we assume that. And they're uh, they're speaking kind of mysteriously. Um, These are the culprits. I got to do some work. This is taking too long. I hear something. Here comes a light. Hit the deck. Oh, it's just campus security. Okay, it's all set up. I'm gonna push the button. Click it's done. Let's get out of here. The muties as good as dead. So, so they so these are these are the dudes. Yep, they've set up either a trap or a listening device or something for the mutie, whoever this the mutie might be. And whoever the mutie is, it's gonna kill it kill that person. Exactly. Columbia University, huh? Mm. Hmm. Somebody I feel at the beginning of the issue is teaching here. Not in this particular room. That's true. That's true. This is a different room, an office. Meanwhile, uh, Rachel and Rogue are flying around, trying They're scouting. Yeah, trying to find the culprits here. Um, They're talking about how Magneto is uh, kind of kind of a part of the team and stuff. Got to hand Rogue, it. Rogue says, uh, "Strange picturing him as a good guy, but then who am I to talk?" In my era, Magneto was both friend and hero. He took Professor Xavier's place and led the X Men after after. <laughs> Rogue's like, don't worry about that, kiddo. That's your past, but still our future for us. Those events haven't happened yet, and maybe they won't. And if they don't, then maybe you can't exist. Ooh, uh, sorry for bringing that up. <laughs> maybe I shouldn't be so happy about that when I say stuff like that. Magneto also was the, uh, t- uh, he gave them the idea of Rogue flying around because she's got the speed and the strength, and then using Rachel to scan for thought patterns, which we probably, all we know right now, uh, Rachel's probably not too happy about this situation because it's essentially her tracking people, which she doesn't want to do. Well, at least she's not tracking mutants. Correct. So maybe that's why she is actually uh, agreed to this plan. But as they're flying around, she gets a sigh flash of fear, panic from below, a boy's being attacked, so they fly down to an alleyway where indeed there are like four people beating up a guy. And they very easily take out the offenders, and it turns out that the guy that they saved was writing uh, Nimrod's number one, Muties Die on the Wall. Look what that jerk was. Get away from me! Look what that jerk was writing on the wall when he was jumped. And this is Rachel. She's not happy about this. She's like, your world is nowhere near as nasty as mine. Like you were saying so comically earlier, open up your eyes, rogue. Everything I endured, all the horrors repeating itself. Perhaps not exactly, but uh, very similarly. Now I'm going to blow up this wall. Boom. Beyonder, still watching nearby, is comments to himself about how extraordinary her uh, Rachel's power is. Um she seems unaware of how brightly she burns. I'm getting premonitions of Phoenix here. Mm-hmm. She and her fellow muties are most, or <laughs> she and her fellow entities are most intriguing. I will observe them all a while longer. The Beyonder has already learned the subtle nuances of slurs. <laughs> <laughs> Those muties are crazy. Um, 
So Kitty and Wolverine are hanging out on the steps of a courthouse or some sort of government building, uh, library steps. And uh, they've got a report from Rogue and Rachel, no joy. Uh, they've covered well over half the professor's list and found nothing. Maybe that's good news. This is one of my favorite Kitty Pride and Wolverine scenes where Kitty uh, starts coughing because Wolverine's stogie is smoke is blown in her face and she says, give me that. And he says, you're a funeral pumpkin. And she, she takes a couple of puffs and she starts hacking it up and she's like, ah, how can you stand that awful thing? Wolverine's like, warned ya. And he's patting her on the back as she's doubled over, hacking and hacking. And uh, My healing factor, or my healing power, smoking doesn't do me any harm. Same can't be said for you. Which I think is, I think the first revelation that this is why it's okay for Wolverine to smoke and drink so much, because the damage that he's doing is easily taken care of by his healing factor. Yep. Kitty's like, no fear of this uh, being, uh, this is one vice I'll skip. Assuming I live. And in the next next page, uh, the next couple of panels, she's still got water in her eyes. This, is, this was apparently a quite quite a powerful uh, stogie well, she's, cigar. Well, she's 15 years old. She probably doesn't know how to smoke a cigar, so she probably took a puff, inhaled it, and then uh, that did it for her. This is one of my favorite no, absolutely. Classic, classic scenes. Yeah. And I really like how she is drawn, right? She, her tears are all watered up. She's kind of got a... a somewhat of a smirk on her face but she's but she's trying to get back to like well the 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 plan the thing that happened but yet you can still see that she's reeling from the funny little thing her and wolverine just did so good stuff yes sir and they're talking a little bit about magneto uh wolverine's uh saying yep we all have our doubts i change you change roro rogue we've all changed since we joined the x-men why not him Why are you such a skeptic? <laughs> That's my job. Suppose he's fooling the professor or somehow has him under his control. I mean, he used to have uh, mind control, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you didn't believe that stupid story about his experiment. Or he could be using any number of crazy devices. Right. He looks sick to me, Logan. I'm really worried. Me too. Me too. Why won't he level with us? Who knows? My instinct says Maggie's legit. As for the rest, I say trust Charlie's play his hand through to the end. We owe him too much to do any different. Now, Maggie. Yes. Did, did this happen last issue when you commented on it? It seems to ring a bell. One of us comment on, commented on it, and it was last. I think it was me just being disappointed with all the Wolvies and Maggies and, you know, I, I guess. It's a Marvel thing. You got Spidey. You got Cappy. No, it's just Cap. Uh, yeah. Jade Jaws. Right. He should be, they should call him Mags. I'm sure somebody at some point will call him Mags. <laughs> but yes, Maggie, it's not a, that's not how you talk to the master of magnetism. Yeah. <laughs> so Kitty pulls off, uh, takes off. She's going to check out on, uh, check out another lead. She, uh, she phases up into the air. She goes into the third or fourth story of a building. Take care, pumpkin. Don't I always? And uh, she walks into this building. It's all dark. Uh, The Beyonder here is observing, not doing anything, just observing. She gets like a sixth sense that the that somebody is in the room, but she can't she can't see anything. She just she all the hair is tingle on her. Right. It seems as though she maybe phased through the apparition of the Beyonder. At which point she got the chills. 
it's got to be nerves. Wolvie'd probably, Wolvie, there it is. Wolvie'd probably laugh, laugh, saying the kid's got too much flaming imagination. Can I help it if he's right? Minute later, one flight downstairs uh, in a computer physics lab. Uh, there's a few people working on a late night project, talking about the results. Gotta be patient. Worrying won't make things happen faster. And that's when Kitty walks in. Hey guys, what's going on? No wait, Mo won't make what happen. I'm in this class. Were you working on a project? I'd like to work on it too. Oh, we got pizza. I'll have some pizza. And these kids are like uh, kind of standoffish, kind of looking at her like, "What? What are you doing here? How did you get here?" Yeah, she's playing it casual, and I like this touch that she grabs the pizza, but in her mind she's thinking, "Ugh, anchovies." It's kind of funny. Right. Well, she got to play it cool, right? Because she's got to yeah, be yeah. like, she's she's playing it cool, but she's just she's totally faking it. It's a nice touch. It is very nice touch. Um, one of them's like, hey, we locked the door, kitty, and set the alarms. How'd you get in the building? Give me a break, Bobby. I know that hardware inside out bypassing it was child's play. I hadn't a thought of it till now, but you attend Charles Xavier's private school upstate. You a mutie pride like him? So. Yeah, the elephant in the room, right? Oh, actually, no, I wasn't even getting there yet. Oh. <laughs> um, Charles isn't out, right? I thought he was. I thought he went on a show and outed himself, maybe? Or maybe not. Like I feel like they're like this is a revelation that basically this guy has given himself away as one of the muggers. I can't remember. I thought he because if if Charles is a known mutant, at some point it becomes a revelation in the Marvel Universe again that he is a known mutant. I feel like this is something we should probably be keeping better track of because they keep I, I feel like there's a few times that Charles revealing himself as a mutant is a big deal. I don't know. Yeah, I do see what you're saying. Um, and you might be right. He may not actually be out. But I, I might get it. I'm probably just getting my storylines confused. You might be right because I can't recall a specific issue in the past. And I am recalling something where he went on TV. He was like, I'm Charles Xavier and I'm a mutant. Everyone's like, I don't think oh. he said he was a mutant. I think he said that he was a rep. Like he, he's he's known as the... Like the foremost um, uh, expert on mutants. Like we've seen right. that in old, old issues of X-Men. But there's actually one where he said, I'm a mutant. I feel like there was. I know he does that in like either Grant Morrison's run or Joss Whedon's run or something. Mm. But that's for, that's not for a while. All right. Then I guess maybe it is fair to assume that he is But that not... doesn't mean that, you know, continuity is just messed up again. Well, I'm going to go. I'm going to go with I just made an assumption and you're right that he has not come publicly out as a mutant, uh, and these people, for some reason, know that he's a mutant. Although, how would they know that? So, is Charles Xavier's school a known home for mutants? No. I think these people know that he's a mutant, however they know that he's a mutant, but they don't necessarily know if his students are mutants. He's just leaping to the conclusion that, you know, if you're, he's, he's making a, a, a generalization, right? If, if your teacher's a mutant or your family member's a mutant, you must be one too. So how do they know he's a mutant then? That's something we don't find out in this issue, which is probably why I jumped to the conclusion that we had seen him out himself in a previous issue. Dude, we find it out. Was it in the, the mugging? I'm, I'm dipping back to the mugging. I don't think it was in the mugging. Okay, in the mugging scene, they call him a mutie lover. Oh, why do they and call him? And then I think when he 
stops everybody. Let's see. They say, oh, he must be one of them. The oh. prof's a mutie. So they come to the conclusion during the mugging. Yes. Okay. So that, I think this is just pointing to the fact that this guy was one of the muggers. And he was calling him a mutie lover because he was giving a lecture on how mutants are just as good as everybody else. Right. And and he is, he is a known mutant. Uh, Advocate. Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. It's all coming together. Well, well done, Adam. We probably should have just known that based on... Yeah, well, you know... <laughs> Anyways, uh, so this guy who happens to be African-American says, you a mutie then, Pride, like him? And Kitty drops the N-word, just like she did in God Loves, Man Kills. Yeah, this is, I mean, we talked about this before, so we shouldn't really bother talking about it too much. It's basically just Chris Claremont trying to say that mutie is essentially the M-word and that it's as racially biased yeah. As the N word, which I well, so actually, it, I have I have two things to say about this. First of all, there is absolutely no way, no matter what the context, that this word would fly in a current comic book. I don't true. think. However, in the context of the story and the character of Kitty that we've uh, come to know. I don't think it's inappropriate because she's making a point. She's like, I got nothing against you, but if you're going to use kind of this racial slur about one group of people, you know, hey, have you ever thought about about this word? Yeah, it makes sense in the context of the scene as it's happening. It doesn't make sense. The argument that Chris Claremont is trying to make is a uh, argument that lacks a lot of because because the the N word has a history of badness well, <laughs> associated with it, whereas the M word, <laughs> right, not really is is kind of a brand new thing. So yeah, I get what he's trying to do. I don't feel like it's earned yet, but uh, yeah, you're right. It, it does make sense for Kitty. Yeah, so maybe that's all that matters. It, yes, Muty doesn't carry even in the context of this comic book doesn't carry the history and gravity of. Uh, the n-word but again kitty is i think just just try she's in a situation here she's like okay this is bad i'm in a bad situation maybe i can take this maybe i can uh throw him off um throw him off his game a little bit and maybe i can actually make him think about what he's saying um but it doesn't work no it doesn't work he pulls out a gun yeah just watch your mouth watch yours especially when you use words like that and try to be intentionally hurtful all of a sudden phil i don't think i like you much anymore or your buddies i think i'll be on my way nope gun comes out and everyone's like yeah you you're not going anywhere somebody's blocking the door uh she says if i am a mutant do you think it's wise to cross me and if i'm not how do you think assaulting a 15 year old girl is going to look on your records let's call this quit guys and so she gets blasted in the face with mace, and I'm kind of fascinated at the drawing of this little mace container. <laughs> it is it is pretty sweet looking. It looks like a switchblade. Kind of. It's got a button. Or, or like a uh, or like a iPod. <laughs> it does kind of look a little bit like an iPod. She gets blasted in the face with the mace, and and then chloroformed from behind. So these two things happen in such rapid succession that. Uh, she is not able to get her concentration to be able to phase, and now she's a little bit r rattled. Um, I'm going to say it is an iPod, and she is not blasted in the face with Mace, but the tunes of the rapper Mace. Oh. And they're so loud and angry that she's taken aback. I don't know if I'm familiar with the rap stylings of Mace. I might have just... I think there's a rapper <laughs> named Mace. Well, if there isn't, there should be. Um, so... Well, one guy's got the chloroforms like, what do we do with her, Phil? 
Same as with Xavier, Johnny boy. We waste the muty. No. Dun, dun, dun. To so we found the killers, and now we know who the suspect is. Colossus, Wolverine, and Rogue are sitting on the steps. Um, They're just chatting. Yeah, I wonder if we're chasing wild geese, says Colossus. And Rogue is like, why do we even bother? I and mean, this this person's not really going to, it's not going to make a, a, a huge deal to us. Like, we're still going to be outcasts and stuff. And why did I even bother joining the X-Men? Maybe I should have just stayed with Mystique. I tell y'all, truthfully, if I'd have known what that creep was writing on the wall, I'd have flown on by, too. Yeah, that whole that whole uh, thing with the with the guy writing on the wall really affected Rogue. Well, yeah, I mean, here they're trying to be, like, really good upstanding people, and the person that they're trying to save hates them. Yeah, no, it's tough. It's so tough. it's got to be a slap in the face. So Rachel, Magneto, and the professor head into the professor's office. Uh, the professor's office. And uh, Rachel detects the presence of the Beyonder, and they're actually talking about the Beyonder, and they're talking about how he, she has basically revealed everything that, from the cafe to Magneto and the professor, and they're kind of wondering why he's watching and what he's trying to learn, and the professor speculates maybe, maybe he's growing up, and Magneto says, "Evolution in a god—that's that's that's a contradiction of terms," and. That's when Rachel realizes that the Beyonder is actually in the room with them. Neither of them can see him. However, she um, she mind links the three of them together so that she'll be able to uh, show the Beyonder to them with her mind. And apparently the device that the no-goodniks planted in this room earlier was a um, sigh scream. Right. There was, a, trap. there was a dialogue of something about high-tech, uh, sensitive, new equipment so apparently the equipment that they happened to get their hands on in columbia university was the uh, device that was able to detect psychic ability and explode it takes the the psychic energy and reflects it back at its its source a uh, hundred times uh, rachel's senses are heightened to the ultimate ex- extent it's just as if her blood has been transformed to acid she screams and um, blows the professor and Magneto out the wall. <laughs> yep. Uh, the Colossus transforms into his metal uh, uh, version of himself, and Wolverine and Rogue get engaged. Rogue flies up there, catches the two. Uh, Magneto and the professor, uh, Wolverine orders up a fastball special to get up there to see what's going on. He thinks it's an attack, but then he sees it's just Rachel, and he's like, what, did Rachel do this? What the heck happened? Wait, she's crying. She's telekinetic. Was she the cause? Uh, Rachel at that point detects Kitty, and here we get essentially what our cover is. Essentially, well, kind of, yeah, Wolverine's running up, kind of, I don't know. It's, it's super it's, misleading. <laughs> the yeah, cover is misleading. So, so Rachel transforms into her hound outfit. She got the hound um, markings on her face. She got the black uniform with the studs. Uh, and she um, turns around and they're like, my Kate, they're killing her. Wolverine's like, whoa, where'd that outfit come from? And her face, what are you talking about, girl? Who are you? She takes off and because uh, she knows that Kate is in trouble or Kitty is in trouble. And Wolverine says, Ray, where are you going? Tell us what's happening. Rachel! And she flies over to the computer physics lab where Phil is choking the crap out of Kitty 
And Not sure how we got from where we left off to this. It looks like Kitty kicked the guy that was holding on to her before oh. in the nuts or something, because he's down on the floor. It looks like he, he puked or something. Yeah, you know, I've read this issue this probably seven times. I never even caught that. So she must she must somehow have fought back. Yeah, well, it's Kitty. You'd expect that. She can't phase, but she's got some training, even though the, she was chloroformed. The gun is nowhere to be found, but it'll it'll turn up again later. So Phil's choking the crap out of her, and uh, they're like, oh, the explosion we heard means Xavier's history, but we won't be safe until we dispose of the only witness, her uh, his mutant protege as well. And that's when Rachel appears, blows out the wall, and screams, Leave her alone! Bazoom. And she grabs Kitty, senses that there's a heartbeat, and her thoughts are as wonderfully normally chaotic as ever. Phil finds the gun, spins it around, and shoots at Rachel. Rachel's like, you puny, pathetic human, to think you could take a telepath by surprise or that a gun would have any threat to a telekinetic. She reverses the course of the bullet directly towards Phil's head, and right before it penetrates his skull, a man in... Says, oh, stop. <laughs> I am the master of magnetism, a mutant. Mine is the power that holds the shell at bay. Even as the young lady struggles with all her considerable might to push it onwards. You probably didn't need to know that. <laughs> Rachel, I beg you, forbear. It's no less than they would have cheerfully done to us, Magneto. We get a yarg with a whole bunch of faces as she goes. I guess she's going into people's minds and making them scream. Well, I think Rachel just did like a big sigh bolt to all of these uh, would-be killers. Yeah. Uh, and they are in extreme mental pain. And that's when Magneto really kind of has his articulated turning point. I used to feel like that. I believed... Uh, and see what it has achieved. I am hunted the world over. My name has become almost a synonym for madness and evil. My children have disowned me. Uh, I am as feared Rachel as I am hated. And worst of all, those whose lives I sought to safeguard, whose bright future to ensure are no better off. Indeed, I have probably made their existence far worse. These scum beat the professor like an animal. These are the killers he sent us to find. There's uh, no remorse in them, no pity. We're muties. We're not real people. We're inhuman alien things. Theirs is a hatred born of ignorance and fear. Will you now justify your actions, that fear and the hate? Look at what they've done to me in these clothes in my own era. As a hound, I hunted mutants. Humans like them made me do that and worse. I killed Magneto, people I knew, and some I... I loved i never wanted you or any of the x-men to know this but they brought the secret out for that i want them to pay as those who tormented you in the future cannot yes as we get another panel of the bullet trying to go towards phil's sweaty face and phil is sweating overtime oh yeah he's yeah he, he's probably peed himself as well <laughs> then kill him child prove your superiority Slaughter them as callously, as mercilessly as they would you. Let them uh, see that you are no better than they, that they can return hate for hate, blow for blow, life for life. What are you waiting? Do it. Give them the final victory. The bullet falls to the ground. Rachel Meek. says, Magneto, I may never forgive you for this, 
We've attracted a lot of attention. Cops and the fire department are on their way. The X-Men shouldn't be here when they arrive. And she transforms from her hound outfit to her current Rachel Summers getup. Kitty wants to talk to Rachel, but Rachel's not in the mood. Um, She reveals that she erased the memories of all of the people in this room, so they they won't have to worry about them. I know the professor doesn't approve of that, but right now, I couldn't care less. I love you people more than I love my life. I'll do whatever I have to do to protect you. And in a nice moment, uh, Magneto picks up Kitty and takes her out. And it's 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 nice because it, it reminds me of the time that Magneto thought he killed Kitty. Oh, yeah. A little bit of full circle-ness right there. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, and which is really kind of uh, one of the things I like most about Magneto's story is that issue where he was just evil, but the kind of almost death of Kitty was the beginning of his turning point. And here we are 46 issues later, 50, 46 issues later, uh, and he's come back from being evil. I like how it's been a slow and kind of gradual change. And it wasn't just like two issues and then he's good. Right. Lots of patience shown there. Something I don't think you would see uh, quite as much in today's comics. And really this probably happened because Chris Claremont probably didn't quite know what he was going to do with Magneto. Jim Shooter kept using him and he was like, stop it. Stop making I'm working on something. He's not Dr. Doom, for God's sakes. Trying to make him into a person. And that's when the Beyonder, he's there. He watched this whole thing and he's like, wow, people are crazy. Magneto's got a ton of power, but he doesn't use it. And Rachel, she's a puzzling conundrum. Well, there's only one thing I can do now to understand these people. I got to become a human. The Beyonder Saga continues in Iron Man 197, which he actually doesn't show up in. Oh, really? Well, next issue, Shadowcat and Colossus stand alone against Doctor Doom to save Arcade. Yes. Yes. Uh, Iron Man 197 does not have the Beyonder. It Instead, it has that Thunder Sword guy from Secret Wars. Oh, okay. Number one. He, gets, he manages to get his powers back, and then he is bested by... Iron Man and the gang. I vaguely recall that. As I said a couple of years ago, I read through the entire Secret Wars 2 saga. I'm doing it now. Are you? Yeah. And it's it's not bad, is it? uh, No, actually, like, uh, the Iron Man issue kind of sucked. Well, it's a little... The the Captain America issue, well, I, I was... It was actually, like, it kind of made me want to read Captain America, which I'm not going to (laughs) do. Right. But, like, I don't know if 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 you can do that. I guess you 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 did what you set out to do. Then, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, it's very eighties for sure. But as far as keeping all those storylines together and making sure that everything you know, secret the Secret Wars proper kind of sets in motion that month's issues, and then those issues fairly well follow like what the point of that issue was. Yeah. So anyways, yeah, I guess kind of a template for future miniseries to come. Miniseries. So, uh, yeah, good issue. No supervillains, but you didn't need them. There's a lot of good character development for Rachel and for Magneto. Yeah, this was a great issue. Yeah, I, I like it a lot. So, uh... There you go. We, uh, there you go. Didn't get, we uh, didn't receive any communication, uh, but that's okay. If you'd like to communicate with us, you can do so by visiting us at www.xmenpodcast.com or going out to facebook.com forward slash Danger Room Podcast. 
following us on Twitter at Danger Room Go. Um, you can email us, dangerroom at redcapproductions.com. Get us on iTunes. Just go out there, type in Danger Room. Uh, we're the first podcast that'll show up with that name. You can subscribe to us, uh, leave some stars, leave a review if you'd like. Uh, or you can call us at 501-GET-X-MEN, 501-438-9636. Word. So until next time, uh, my name is Jeremy. My name's Adam. And the danger room is closed. Oh, come on, babe.